Goldcast is sponsored by Socks. Fall is here. Winter's on the way. Are your feet cold? Then it's time to start using Socks. I know living here in sunny Los Angeles, it's, it's a hard thing to come to. It's pretty much summer all year round. But then the time comes when the skies get gray and things get a little darker and it's time to put on socks. So if you're missing socks, purchase socks at a store near you. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us at facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the goldcast underscore, as well as Instagram at the goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same name, the goldcast. And be sure to hit that like and subscribe and leave a comment. Subscribe for notifications, comment for feedback to help us improve, or to just talk with us about your thoughts on our show. And do that or it will be considered impolite. <laughs> Don't forget, too, on iTunes, leave us a review. Thank you for all the people that have been leaving us reviews. So if you're a fan of the Goldcast, if you leave us a review, it actually helps our podcast move up higher on the rotation. There are, like, podcasts that don't even exist podcasts that lasted like six to 12 episodes from three or four years ago when Harbaugh was still a coach that sometimes go higher than us simply because they have more reviews, which is ridiculous. And I'm not sure how iTunes algorithm works. I think that's stupid, but anyways, uh, there's nothing we can do about it. So help us join the fight, put on, put a review on iTunes for the gold cast, help us out. Goldcast nation. All right, here we go. Another heart, Breaking loss again in overtime, again in the final seconds of the game. We're going to get into it uh, right now after the intro. Goldcast, let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Goldcast Nation. <laughs> oh, man. If you're listening to the Goldcast right now, it's because you, like us, are San Francisco Homer. You're tired of listening to those other podcasts, others, all those, or, that's kind of like the 49ers season in a nutshell right there, verbally, um, verbally interpreted by uh, my throat sounds. <laughs> but uh, if you listen to the Goldcast right now, it's because you're a San Francisco homer like us. If you listen to the Goldcast right now, it's because you're tired of all those crappy national sports shows or all those crappy national podcasts. They're not crappy. Maybe that's not the right word, but... What they do is they, they conveniently ignore the dominance of San Francisco sports. Uh, we're be- basketball, baseball dynasty, San Francisco Giants. We're in the midst of the Golden State Warriors possibly entering. They definitely have a dynasty in terms of their control of, of basketball. But let, will they have a finals championship di- dynasty? Remains to be seen this year. We're very, very close 49ers also appeared in the Super Bowl 2012. Seven championship appearances. Five seven years. victories. This is seven years straight, 2010 to 2007. Welcome to the Goldcast. Here we go. Oh, man. Ah, this is 
this is entering brutal levels. I even even me, you know, this is this today was definitely one of those days. I remember last year, I think it was I think it was somewhere I don't even know if it was last year. It might have been the year before with Jim Tomsula. But there was a there was one game Ray where I grabbed a pillow and I just put my face into it and I just screamed on my couch just Ugh, this is one of those games. I in in defense of the 49ers, we looked dead in the water at the start of the fourth quarter. I, I was like, wow, we're like on the verge of like maybe getting blown out. This is mm-hmm. this is bad. Uh, Vegas odds had had Indianapolis at one point over. We were down, I think, basically down about two touchdowns at that point. And as the fourth quarter was looming, and I, I thought we're not even going to make it. I don't think this is this is going to be really bad against the Colts, and the Colts suck. They suck. What's our excuse now? These guys suck. And then uh, Matt Breda was getting a lot of reps in the in the late third, mid fourth, and I really felt like he his explosiveness and his hunger in the fourth quarter I, I thought he really kind of provided that spark plug that the 49ers were missing it almost felt like too. the 49ers were ready to lay down and die yeah they should have Breda Breda kind of put the team on his back and I remember I texted you during the game going man hey it lo- looks like at least somebody wants to win on this 49ers offense because he looked really he, he just looked like he wanted to play I thought he started playing really strong, and he kind of sparked some life into the team. And we managed to eke out into overtime, only to lose it there. Ray Ray Armstrong with that huge, huge clutch interception. So he intercepts the ball, right? At this point, first of all, Indianapolis marches down with ease at the start of overtime, which I kind of felt was going to happen because both these defenses spent a lot of time on the field today. And so I felt like... Either one of these teams, whoever whoever wins this coin toss is probably going to be able to get into the red zone fairly easily. Now, if, if that can translate into a touchdown, we'll see. So they do. They get down there fairly easily. And then Ray Ray Armstrong comes in with that just clutch huge, interception. Just huge. super clutch. Huge. I, I was like, oh, my God. Here we go. Wow, we've got a shot. We have a shot next Next score wins. Hoyer and the offense just kind of get stunted. They managed to bring it down. Where did they get it down to? About the 50? Were we on their 40? Our 40? We were somewhere in there. We're hovering in that area. We were in and their territory. they just couldn't pull back. it off. Yeah, we were, uh, we were in their territory. And then we punt it back. Colts bring it back. Kick the ball. Now, it... That was, and then that pretty much, I mean, that was the end. That was the end of the game. And another heartbreaking two overtimes in a row. Now, we talked about this last week. I think Kyle Shanahan must have listened to the podcast. This is, I mean, this must. This is clearly the most obvious answer is that Kyle Shanahan listens to the Goldcast every single week to think what, what are the fans saying. But, but what about the fans? I think it must be. This is a natural conclusion based on what happened the last two weeks. We said before, last year, Chip Kelly could only give you about 30 minutes of football. And the 49ers, this new 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they're giving us about 55 minutes of football. You know, we're usually losing late in the fourth quarter um, by by anywhere from three and under. You know, very, very tight, tight games. I feel like Kyle Shanahan hurt us because the last two weeks, 
he's taken us to about 65 minutes in overtime, only to lose in overtime. <laughs> That's where we lose now. We're getting about 65 minutes of football. <laughs> he's like, well, fine, fine, Goldcast Nation. I will see your 55, and I'll raise it to 65. But we still can't get the win. Ray, I want to know your thoughts. Um, we we did sit, hide, out, hide, sat um, out in the second half a lot more. I think this was to preserve him. I know his health can't always be trusted. Navarro Bowman also sat out um, a little bit. He had a, 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 a stinger. I don't know if that's a – I think that's a medical term, a stinger, quote-unquote, in the first half. But he said, quoted after the game, um, I don't know, man. We had a conversation. I don't know. They're doing what they want to do, and I don't know. I don't like it. Nobody likes coming out of the game, but I'm a team player. They told me, but it's hard to do that in the midst of a tough game. No one likes being taken out. Now, having said that, Bowman did lead the 49ers with 10 tackles. So, Ray, I want to talk a little bit about your overall thoughts. What did you think? What did you think about Hoyer this week? I feel like the magnifying glass is getting bigger and bigger. And then I want to hear your thoughts on Carlos Hyde taking a little bit of a breather and Navarro Bowman. Well, I think Bowman, I think part of it was a stinger for sure. But I think another part of it, too, was they just need to mix it up a little bit on defense because I think Bowman, even though he led the team in tackles, he's definitely more exploited this season because he does not have the same speed. So this is a guy that normally, even last year before the ACL tear, you know, it was, I felt better with him in the lineup because I knew that he was a sure tackler and he had enough speed to close in on the ball faster than anybody on the team. He does not have that ability anymore. His tackling ability is still okay. Um, he's hasn't been as sure of a tackle. This is, this is probably the worst season I've seen of him in terms of performance. And I don't mean that to be harsh. I just mean that to be because that's just what I'm seeing. And unfortunately, he's just kind of a victim of circumstance, you know, this, those circumstances being two really devastating injuries. And he actually looked, still looked pretty good after he came back from the leg injury. But after the ACL industry, uh, after the ACL industry, industry, after the ACL injury, he just hasn't seemed <laughs> to have the same you know, speed like his, his, he doesn't close in on the ball fast enough. And it's not that he's out of position. He just can't get to his usual position fast enough. And that's what I'm seeing. So, and, and it leads to him kind of forcing himself to take bad angles in order to, to catch defense, to catch uh, the offensive players. And, and it's, it's, and it makes him look worse than he actually is because he's obviously a terrific football player he's a four-time pro bowler three-time all pro he's amazing after his leg industry he came back and led the nfl in tackles that's pretty remarkable comeback and but i think part of it was because of the stinger but i think another part of it too is he's just he was just getting exploited out there he looked a little gassed and for same thing with hyde i think part of it was had to do with health another part of it had to do with we just weren't getting anything out of hyde so we had to mix it up and see what breda could do and breda was obviously getting a lot more penetration and getting he was more explosive out of the out of the hole so and he brought like you said he brought a spark to the offense that we desperately needed by that point because we just getting three and outs over and over and over and over again and Brian Hoyer just cannot he can't sustain drives he's terrible under pressure he's not very mobile so he can't keep plays alive with his feet it's just not his game. It's not like an Alex Smith who will keep plays alive with his feet. Most quarterbacks these days will do that. Even the Colts backup quarterback, 
You know, he he was keeping plays alive with his feet because that's just what that's just a very dynamic skill set to have. You know, especially if you're going to sit in there and try to sit in the pocket and make throws, which is exactly what he did. And he made some big throws to T.Y. Hilton, who came up big. But the the reason why he was able to do that was because he was able to avoid the pass rush with his mobility to keep the play going. Um, Brian Hoyer does not have that ability. So if you collapse the pocket, he's he's done for. So, so the counterpunch to that is you have to have a quicker release, but Hoyer's not doing that either. So, and, and if you pressure him, he, he hurries the ball. He doesn't have the vision to kind of just make, make a throw, step into his throw and do it. Like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is quick. He sees the blitz coming. Drew Brees is the same way. He sees the blitz coming. He's just going to make the throw faster. I'm going to throw it faster. I'm going to throw it faster. I'm going to throw it faster. That, that's the answer. That's the counterpunch. Hoyer can't do either of the two things that I describe good quarterbacks to be able to do, mobility and quick throws. He can't do either of them. So unless he gets picture-perfect, you know, conventional pass protection, it's just going to look like this week in and week out, unfortunately. And he didn't necessarily play bad. He just didn't play great because, again, Brittle, uh, Kittle, the rookie, he is a rookie, so he gets a pass this year. But a key drop ball in the end zone that would have been six points that would have made the difference in the game didn't get that this time. So we pay the penalty once again for, for self-inflicted wounds. You know, There was another pass interference call deep down the field that put uh, that put the Colts in in prime 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 position to score a touchdown. By Rashard Robinson. So once again, giving up the big play with the pass interference penalty, giving up the touchdown with the drop ball, self-inflicted wounds because the defense played great pretty much the entire game until the point they get, they were getting gas. And I knew that we were going to lose the gas, the, the defensive gas battle because we had more three and outs than the Colts did. The Colts were sustaining more drives, longer drives than us, and they were actually putting up more points on the board. And late in the game, it ended up paying dividends in terms of the lead. But we were able to bounce back. And the reason we were able to bounce back is because Shanahan is really, really good in the two-minute drill. The play calling in the two-minute drill schemes that he has are excellent, absolutely excellent. The passings, the passes are more aggressive. And feel like in the middle of the game, he's going to no be more question. conventional. No even, question. Even a little conservative. Like he's like, okay, you know, grind the ball, play action pass, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Um, that's kind of what he tried to do in the middle of the game to like sustain drives to keep it. And it's, it's smart, you know, it makes logical sense because he's trying to give the defense a breather. He's trying to, uh, own the time of possession, which is what you want to do. You own time of possession. Your, your, your chances of winning are pretty high, but we just couldn't do that. And, but then when it came down to crunch time, boom, 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 you know, that, that seemed Hoyer seems very comfortable in the two minute drill. You know, the receivers seem very comfortable in the two minute drill and we, you know, we score fast, we move fast. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, the, the double edged sword of it is that, you know, we, you know we why score that is fast. though? <clears throat> why? You know what it is though, Ray? You know, you know, you know why? I'll tell you why. Because I think Hoyer just overthinks everything. And I think what happens is when you put them in the two minute, two minute drill, they don't have time to think and they're just moving on on gut reaction and athleticism and it puts them in a position where they're just moving and they're just using their physical talent to get them through and they're turning their brains off you give Hoyer too much time to think he overthinks it he 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 questions his judgment and he makes mistakes yeah I feel like he, he tries ahead, to do too much saying. but because he's in his he's in his own head and that's just kind of how he's been his entire career you know he's just not He's just never been a terrific quarterback. He's got he's he has a skill set to be a really good pocket passer. 
Um, but he's never, you know, really refined those skills and honed those skills. And, you know, I, it's just that's just the nature of the game. So there's only 10 quarterbacks that are really good in the NFL, five that are considered great. You know, there's 10 good ones, five great ones. That's it. And then the rest of the 20 are average to below average. So he's definitely in the below average category for sure. So, you know, and people can make, you know, I'm yeah, definitely no tired question. of seeing, oh, man, we wish we had Kaepernick. Shut up. Get over it. He's out of the he's out of the NFL. Get over it. OK, there's nothing we can do about that. And I don't personally, I don't really give a shit. So what I do care about is winning, starting to win games now and preparing for the quarterback that we're, we're going to either draft and or, you know, buy via free agency, which could be Kirk Cousins, could be somebody else. Who knows? It depends. Yeah. Who knows? Now. Do you feel, you said last week, you said it was after week eight, C.J. Beathard or C.J. Bethard or C.J.B., depending on, on what part of the country you're from. Do you believe that C.J.B. will 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 be here after week eight, will be the starting quarterback? Because we, we're already seeing now, Hyde got benched a little bit. Breda did great. I give the team ball to Breda. Remember, we, remember we have our, our, new, our new segment. Who gets a team ball? Who kicked the team in the balls? Now I say Breda gets the team ball. Who are you gonna say kicked the team in the balls? Uh, I'm gonna say George Kittle this time. George Kittle had a drop pass in the end zone. There is no worse. The only thing worse than that is an interception in the end zone. You know, and we were on the positive end of that. Even though he's and the for, one for that two, got us two to, weeks to in a row. It, even though he was. Yeah, but but it becomes it becomes you you break even. That's what it is. You break even. You you. You redeem yourself, but you also break even because it's like, hey, you you dropped the pass that that could have made the difference in the game. You made a pass that kept us in the game, but you also dropped the pass that could have made the game. So, so you're you're a double-edged sword, you know. And kudos, kudos. I almost want to give a game ball to Ray Ray Armstrong because there's two two weeks in a row he's had end zone oh, interceptions, yeah. and he he is a former cornerback uh, or defensive back. So that's one of the reasons why he's. He's useful out there in coverage because he knows how to do it. He's part of his original skill set. He's got good speed. He's just really undisciplined. That's his biggest problem. He's super undisciplined. He just he's just wild. He's a wildcat. But uh, when he's locked in, he can do plays like that, and he's done it two weeks in a row. So I'm, I am happy to see that because we need more out of the linebackers because we're not we're getting we're getting okay from Bowman, but really nobody else. You know, Aaron Lynch doesn't have any sacks really. Uh, Elvis Dumerville is playing really good. He comes in on third downs to really apply pressure, and he's been doing great. Three sacks in two games. He's been paying dividends the last couple weeks, so definitely happy with that. And then the defensive line seems to get better. I'd like to see more out of Eric Armstead. Don't know if he's ever going to live up to the hype, but Thomas and Buckner are solid. And they're only going to get better, too. I think the one—I would say the one hole— the one hole in uh, Robert Sala's game is that I, I don't I think he really struggles in keeping this team disciplined. I would say as a defensive coordinator, that's really, really what he seems to be lacking. It's a glaring, consistent hole. He's you know he's he's got a bunch of weapons out there, but it's something. I mean, it, it, I look at them like machine guns, and instead of pointing them right at the target, he kind of just does this rifle approach with these guys, and I mean that metaphorically speaking. That. There's just a lack of discipline, and I think that comes back down to the defensive coordinator. I really do. I think that falls on his shoulders, and we have we now have five weeks of this consistently happening, actually dating all the way back to preseason, 
we saw this happening. This is one of the most penalized teams. They're so sloppy, especially on defense. And I think Robert Slaw has got to really focus on that. I think that's where that's one of his flaws as a defensive coordinator. What do you think? It is. It is. But I, I, th- I think, you you know, you're definitely on to something. But at the same time, um, you know, part of it is th- I, I did see less penalties this game than the previous games. So I, I think there is a methodical decline in the penalties. And, you know, I, obviously he's not it's not like he's not doing anything. You know, he's he's obviously doing trying to do something. We don't we don't get to see it. We don't get to hear it. The journalists don't necessarily write about it. But at the same time, um, it is frustrating to see week in and week out. So uh, just as as long as as long as they continue to get better week in and week out, I'll be okay with that. You know, it is a, his first time doing it, so he he's going to get a lot of passes this year. You know, next year will obviously be a different story. But um, I still like what I'm seeing from him overall. Just a little, you know, obviously a lot of room for improvement in terms of discipline. You know, we're we're, we're going to get more players. We're going to probably dump some of the players you see now. So, you know, I'm I'm okay with with the way things are going now because I know that things are going to get better. You know, that they they're going to get better players. They're going to drop the players that become liabilities, especially towards the end of the season. But we're just not in a position to do that just yet because we're getting thin. There was a lot of injuries today. Guys were able to get back on the field from those injuries, but still a lot of guys got banged up today and we're going to have a traditional week of rest before going to Washington who's on a bye this week. And so they're going to have two weeks of rest. They're going to be extremely fresh coming into that game at home, very comfortable. So it's not not going to get any easier for us on this road trip i'll be glad to get you know this half of the season done or well close to it anyways i agree uh and i agree i agree with your sentiments about robert Sai. he 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 does get a leash this isn't like a are we sure he's good conversation nothing like that i i think discipline is something that we need to work on and it's getting better but at the same time you saw this week man really costly penalties at, at really key moments in the game yeah drives secondary that too. into points because of penalties it's mostly the secondary. Absolutely. That's that's where most of it comes from. PI, a couple dumb holding calls. I'm like come on, like right at at third and long places places where we get this stop, they punt the ball and we we stop the bleeding and instead instead it extends the drive which turned into points and that that happened several different times today and it was really really frustrating and you know we've pretty much seen it all season. Ugh! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> this is you know what I feel uh, like. I feel man. like uh, it's Davis like Ru- it's like that scene. It's like that scene in um in the Goonies where like Sl- Sloth is like tortured by his brothers and he gets really frustrated. That's kind of how it feels. I'm waiting for that moment when when we finally get some some leeway in our side and then Sloth gets the food tray because Sean Astin uh, pushes it towards him and then he gets the food tray and lifts it over his head. I'm just waiting for that moment where we, we finally get some 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 luck that falls into our lap and get some help from the football gods to actually, you know, get a win under our belt. <clears throat> waiting for that Sloth moment. Yeah. Yeah, because... We we are waiting for the sloth moment. I like that. We are currently Goldcast Nation, 49er Faithful. We are waiting for the sloth moment. So let's move on to the greater NFL. Now, the challenge of my hot take really begins this week, and it was Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Seahawks eke it out 16 
10. This was kind Ray, this was the start. Remember, this was this was the start. We talked about the Los Angeles Rams schedule. So let's go back. Let's take let's take our, our listeners all the way back to the middle of the second week. In between Goldcast's week one, week two of the 49ers season. I remember David Johnson goes down against the Arizona Cardinals. And I tell you off air, which we then talked about in episode two. If you go back to week two of this uh, of this year's 49ers season podcasts, you'll hear it. I said, I think the Rams, now that David Johnson's gone down, I think the Rams truly, truly have an opportunity here to possibly be second. They just look, Arizona looks so vulnerable. They look so bad. I really think there there's an opportunity for them to possibly take second place. And then they went on this big hot streak exactly like they did last year. Three and one exactly like they were last year. But the difference was we've got this super high-powered offense. Today, Seattle goes in to Los Angeles, Los Angeles. I knew, I could tell. I could tell that the Seahawks were here because I walked out of my apartment. And I took this smell and I said... It smells like bird shit out here. Hmm. I was like, "Oh, the Seahawks must be here. That must be it." I, I figured it mm. out. It was the Seahawks. Literally, like there was very a true. stench of Seahawks. Yeah, that's when, what happened. Come in. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Very yeah. true. That's what I, you, you come out and you're like, "Yeah," you're like, "Why does it smell like bird shit out here?" Oh, oh, Seahawks. Got it. So now, Ray, let's go back to the stretch. This is going to be the big test. We're going to bring Louie back on. I really want to bring Louie back on. Uh, Let's let's see if we can get him for next week. We've got he's they've got Rams have Seahawks, which they lost now. Now they've got um, at Jags home for the Cardinals at New York home for the Texans at Vikings home for the Saints at Cardinals home for Eagles Seahawks again. That is a brutal schedule. That is like crazy. Giants or whatever, but Jags cards. Giants are own five. So, Texans yeah, now with, with the exception again, of New York, they've got a that's a pretty tough stretch there. It is. Texans, um, JJ Watt went down, so defensively they're vulnerable. Vikings, I th- Sam Bradford probably should be back by then. Saints, eh, whatever. Cardinals gonna be tough again. Then you got Eagles, which are also red hot, and we'll see where the Seahawks land. But that you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Seven of the eight. That are really, really tough right there. That is a brutal schedule. I want to know how do you feel? I mean, they got this high-powered offense. Defense is, is is strong, but not quite as strong as it was last year. What do you think about them coming out? Are are their chances to remain second or first in the division still as strong? Because after last week beating the Cowboys, I thought, oh my God, are, are they going to take the division? And I still think that's in play. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't like a overreaction i think i think the rams are in play it's between them and the seahawks right now i want to know what are your thoughts between seahawks and rams and the chase for the nfc west division title well i think there there's a good chance they take first but if seattle if they can't get past seattle and seattle you know ekes out you know a good record then there's nothing they can do about that because seattle's going to own the tiebreaker uh, uh, or own you know is going to get by on on division wins over them if, if they end up like tying in record. So right now Seattle has the edge, so I still give it to Seattle. And I'll probably put Rams. Rams easily at number two. No question, because the Cardinals are just they're just trash. Straight up. They just got so many problems, so many injuries. 
and they're just they're they're old. And Carson Palmer, you know, he's not doing enough, and he's probably not going to do enough. He's we're probably this is probably his last year, in my opinion, his last year with the Cardinals. I would not give him another shot. I didn't think he even deserved last year. I thought I thought they should have. Similar to the New York Giants, I think what both of those two teams have really really failed to do with. The Carson Palmer experiment was just supposed to be an experiment, and so, and after that injury, and he came back from rehab, all all super juiced up, all in like the best shape of his life. You know, said in an interview, first time he's had a six pack since college. They they got blinded by him turning back time, but it's so funny that even as an outsider looking in, this is completely obvious to me that it was a consequence of an amazing rehab program, and still. Arizona never prepared for the future. They never found another QB to invest in. Alex Smith is playing out of his mind in Kansas City, but they still have Mahomes. Even now, they're preparing. New York Giants is the same way. Never invested in some sort of QB for the future. Eli is great. Everyone loves Eli, but he's always been inconsistent. He's always been really hot or cold. He's had the highest of highs with two Super Bowl wins, but it still has not been enough. And Arizona Cardinals is just a classic case of just not enough, not not preparing for the future and investing in a quarterback that really wasn't supposed to be your answer to begin with. He just kind of became their answer, and then they forgot that they needed an answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. But, I mean, so let's move this on is right kind of— Go ahead. This is what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. This is the shift— the shift, um, even though it's harder to see on the Niners side, but trust me, it is happening. This is the shift where Niners and Rams are slowly but surely go- becoming the two top dogs in the NFC West as Seattle gets old and Cardinals just be- just eat themselves alive. It's true. Yeah, this the the uh, the Cardinals are old in it, and the Seahawks hate each other. They hate each other so much. Uh, I've never seen a team hate each other so much. It makes me happy. It actually makes me happy in my heart how much that team hates each other. I love I love watching the dysfunction of that team. But speaking, uh, let's talk about a little bit of non-dysfunction for a second. The, the Chiefs, I'm really happy for Alex Smith. I really am. That this is this looks like this that team over there is looking to be. I think it looks like the best team Andy Reid's ever had. Alex Smith has some weapons, and Mahomes has seemed to lit a fire under his ass. And he he is throwing deep balls that everyone said he wasn't capable of. And I feel like these last couple years of him game, you know, quote unquote game managing, game managing. He's he he got the he got his position to a point where he now feels comfortable. And now that he's got a little bit of competition, he's airing out the ball and he's trusting his instincts and he's trusting trusting his athleticism at an age, you know, at an, at an advanced age. It's just really impressive. And I have to say, as, as a 49er fan, I never really have an issue with the Kansas City Chiefs. I always kind of see them as like our brothers in the AFC, given um, our affinity for the, having the same quarterbacks. And I, I, I'm really happy for Alex Smith. Like in the darkness of the 49er well, I do look over – at Alex Smith is like a proud son, and I and I nod my head and I salute him. He's <laughs> a proud son. Yes, the prodigal son is is doing well, doing well with his new adopted parents. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for him, and and you know when it comes to the AFC, it's anybody but the Patriots. You know anybody but the Patriots. Yeah, anybody but the Patriots. And so my money's on KC. They've been terrific. They're actually really. I actually look after the Niners lose. 
which has been the case for the last five straight weeks. <laughs> After the Niners lose, I find myself checking in with Kansas City. Like, ooh, I wonder if the Kansas City game's on. I'd really like to check in with that because they're just so exciting to watch. They play great defense. They play terrific offense. And I think Patrick Mahomes certainly lit a fire into Alex Smith, but the the surprise, you know, rookie breakout by, you know, Hunt, I think has really helped them, helped Dream the Hunt. offense really yeah. – yeah, their their offense is just so explosive with Hunt. And Tariq Hill has been terrific all year, along with Travis Kelty. He has three amazing weapons. The, act- the three main weapons you always want on offense for your quarterback, a great running back, a terrific wide receiver, and a dynamic tight end. And he has all three, and all three of them are just terrific players. So they're all Pro Bowl caliber players, and Alex Smith is having a Pro Bowl season. So I'm happy for him. I definitely hope he represents the AFC down the stretch. Yeah, I hope so too. By the way, uh, I'll tell you a couple teams that look really vulnerable. Here's something funny. And I, I've heard this many times across the board about the 49er faithful, uh, San Francisco 49er fans. Our listeners will completely understand this, especially if you listen to the Goldcast because we're pretty big on this. I've often heard that the 49er faithful, there's there's a little bit of arrogance about uh, from coming from our fan base. We're, we're, a little, we're a little arrogant. We have five Super Bowl wins. We sit at the famed Five Rings and Up table. We're part of the Five Rings and Up club. You know, there's only, there's only but four teams instead of the big boy table. The big boy table, at the head of the table, uh, you know, no, no, no fight. Pittsburgh Steelers, six rings. And then there's three more spots at the big boy table. The Dallas Cowboys, those New England Patriots, and our beautiful, God bless it, amazing, wonderful, perfect San Francisco 49ers. We're the only team to sit at the big boy table. You know, we have the likes of Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Dwight Clark, uh, God, Raymond, rattle off a couple more. The list goes on. There's so many. Name a couple for me. Roger Craig, Tom Rathman. Oh. Oh. Um, Brent Jones. Gosh. Brent Jones, Steve Young, uh, Ricky Waters. Bryant Young, Dana Stubblefield, Gary Plummer. Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott. Randy Cross. Eric, Eric Wright. Randy Cross. Yeah. So many legends. Yep. So you look at that, so many legends. You look at that, and, and the 49er faithful, you know, we, we tend to sit across, we sit, we sit atop 49er Mountain, Gold Rush Mountain, in a very, very cocky stance often. So it's funny when you know we we've talked about this a little bit. We you know we 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 get trolled sometimes by by people that we know, even people that have been on the co- the Goldcast before. Raiders fans. It always makes me laugh when a Raiders fan trolls us, because I I know that now like our father, uh, the unofficial unofficial fourth member third member of the Goldcast, Rudy Solis Jr. He he comes from the era when the Raiders and the Niners was such a nasty rivalry because the Raiders were really good in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, they, they it was a really legitimate rivalry. But in this era, God, the we've just been on... we Both teams have spent many years in irrelevancy. And then we had the Harbaugh era and the, and the Raiders were still completely irrelevant. And then we've fallen and then they've kind of... They look like they were going to go somewhere in the last two seasons have been marred with a lot of injury. So, you know, it really remains to be seen if they're ever going to be able to capitalize on what they have. But so having said that, the reason I say is because I just don't really care what Raider fans think. It doesn't really bother me when they troll me. I kind of feel bad for them anyways. I'm like, well, your team 
whatever. And I go, Derek Carr is like, I feel bad for Derek Carr. I feel bad for his teammates. I don't feel bad for Raider Nation. I don't really care when they tr- they troll us. I kind of just lost laugh. Again it today. makes me laugh. And Derek Carr's injured and again. Three in a row. That's what I'm saying. Three in a row. They've lost three in a row. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. The AFC West looks to be firmly in the hands of Denver and Kansas City. Firmly in their hands. I, I look forward to see a battle. But I remember Bill Simmons on his podcast at the beginning of the year, his hot take at the beginning of this year, he said he didn't think the Raiders were going to make it to the playoffs this year. And he thought that, that he thought the team was a little overinflated. He thought they were a little overinflated coming into this year. And he said, you know, every year there's one team that maybe is feeling themselves a little too much from the year before. Analysts and fans to become everyone, you know, everyone's favorite son coming into this year. And he said, I he didn't think that the Raiders were going to make the playoffs. Now, if Derek Carr can come back and and put this thing back together, but I mean, they didn't look that hot going into this thing. You know what I mean? They didn't they, yeah, look they, very they, hot today. They did the first two games, and then I, they I looked, and they dropped two straight, and then Derek Carr got injured, and things have gone from bad to worse for them. Yeah, well, and Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper has not been able to live up to his potential in any way, shape, or form, which is too bad for Amari Cooper. He's really talented, but God, he is a heady, heady wide receiver. Just drops all kinds of passes he shouldn't be dropping. It's kind of unfortunate to see someone with so much talent. Crabtree, every time he cra- catches that fade. That fade, um, that fade away to the corner into the end zone. I swear to God, an angel loses his wings every single time he does that in a Raider uniform. Every time I see him catch that ball, I get so pissed off because I think about that stupid highlight that I had to see for an entire year after the game that should not be renamed, the final game of 2012, us versus Baltimore. I don't even want to say it because it, it literally my tongue bleeds and there's sores that well up right when I say that game. But an angel loses his wings. He has kind of been irrelevant in the second half of the the second half of the first quarter of the of the season. But yeah, all that all that crap they talk, and I never I don't really even say much to them because it's like I don't really care. But oh, how the mighty have fallen! Welcome back, Karma. We missed you, Raymond. Let's move on to the odds, brother. Let's see what are the odds for this week. I want you to guess the lines. San Francisco at Washington. Just guess the line. What what do you think the line is? Where does Vegas it's, where does Vegas put the line at? It's seven points or more because Washington actually is a good offense. Yep, it's nine and a half point favorites in favor of Washington. Now, Raymond, the question is: I don't even want to ask the question. Do you take that bet? Hmm. It's a tough question. I think I, I, I have a really hard time seeing us get past Washington. It'd be different if we won the last two games coming in with winning momentum, but since without that, it, it's a lot harder to feel optimistic. So I, I think this is going to go to zero and six. That's what I feel, and I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. You might be right. God, you might be. I don't. I yeah. Kirk Cousins has been playing really, really well, and. I They're coming would, off a bye week, so I would the rest is either going to benefit them or it's going to make them rusty. Yeah, and I don't, I don't see them being well. I, even if they were rusty, I don't feel like the 49ers are the type of team that's going to exploit that. So check yeah, it out. Let's like let's look at quarter. let's. We did a little bit of Rams schedule. No, exactly. We looked at the Rams schedule. Let's look at the Niners schedule. We're at at Washington, home for the Cowboys, at Eagles home for the Cardinals, home for the Giants, home for 
excuse me, the Seahawks at Chicago, at at Texas, home for the Titans, home for the Jags, and then here in LA, I will be at that game uh, in Los Angeles for the Rams. Where do we win? We've got Washington, Cowboys, Eagles, Cardinals, Giants. November twelfth. Is that a fight for who is not gonna go, who's not gonna lose every game? Do we win any game between now and when we face the Giants on November twelfth? Of course, we beat New York and we beat the Cardinals in home. Those are two wins, right okay, there. Okay, so we we get two back to backs. So we mm-hmm. go. We lose to we lose to Washington. We lose to Dallas. We lose to Philly, and then we beat Arizona. Beat New York. Yeah, well, we could beat Dallas. Dallas is not all that great this year. You never know. That that's a no, wild card. That, that, that game today was pretty wild, though. Yeah, that 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 game was that game was dope. I watched I watched the end of that game. It was pretty good. I like the end of it. Uh, um, Dak Prescott goes in for the rushes in for that touchdown, and I looked at that last. I was like, you left way too much time. There was like you know about a minute, a little bit under a minute, and Aaron Rodgers took that sucker all the way down and just put that dagger right in their heart. It was great, right in the middle of Dallas. It was wonderful. Well, Raymond, we're going to see 49 Faithful Goldcast Nation stay the course. This is this is what it is about being a real fan. Here's the thing. You guys all know this, all right? We all know that when this team starts chalking up W's next year, when they get their badass quarterback, they revamp, they keep these great players, get rid of the rest, and this team starts chopping it up, kind of doing what the Los Angeles Rams are doing, all your friends, all those 49 friends will be like, oh, the Niners are so dope. Oh, my God, I love the Niners. And they're all back, and they're all back, and the stadium is filled, and they're all into it. And just remember, you were here now. We were here in the trenches. We were here this year. We were here last year. We were here the year before. We were here when they went 8-8 eight and eight with Harbaugh. We were, here, we were here through all these crappy years. We sat. We are the faithful. We're the Goldcast Nation. Don't forget. We never gave up. We're not bandwagoners. We're here, ride or die. Goldcast Nation. This is what we're about. Raymond, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis One. Boom. And you can find me online at Rudy Solis Third. Rudy Solis Three R D. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, this is the Goldcast. <laughs>